Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Yes, we want to get to this 10th win. Uh, we understand where they are. Get to this 10th win. Um, so that's really, I, I really do like the stretch that we're getting ready to be on. And, it's, you know, and I'll talk to the team more about this on Wednesday. But, you know, when you look at the teams that we're getting ready to line up, and obviously Philadelphia is all, is all matters right now, I mean, it's, this, this is an excellent opportunity for us to play in playoff-type games without, you know, without playoff consequences. And I think that serves very well. Uh, because December football is something that, you know, personally I've always enjoyed. Uh, I think it's a, it's a great indication of, of where you are as a team and, and what you need to um, obviously do to get into the playoffs and be ready for the playoffs. So uh, we're looking for I mean, it's, it's the Cowboys and the Eagles. I don't think I've seen any more than that. It wasn't a full-blown giveaway tell. But when he says, I really like this stretch of games coming up, I mean, it's not like you went, but come on. You, you want to have an easy schedule in December when you're in the fight to try to win your division. They've got the Eagles. They've got the Bills. They've got the Dolphins. They've got the Lions over the next four weeks. You don't want that. You don't want that. You want to have cream puffs if you can. Don't give me that. You take one or two that are challenging, but you always want to have everything stacked in your favor. And as you're trying to chase down the Eagles, you don't want to have to run the gauntlet on your way. And, hey, if you make it through, okay, well, hey, well, you know, we're ready for the postseason. But, man, th- this thing could come crashing down, especially because Bills, Dolphins, Chris, both on the road where the Cowboys are a different team than when they play at home. Yeah, no, I mean, you said it right. You know, most, most everybody would like to, yeah, we'd like to be able to just skate right into the playoffs and be the number one seed and have an easy finish. Sure, I get you. But you know how coaches are, and there is a silver lining to what they got in front of them there. You know, you know, like you said, you kind of win or you, you come out of this gauntlet on the positive side. You know, you're, you're, it's beyond like we're ready for the playoffs. It's like the chef sticks out and goes like, we're, we're one of the best teams in the playoffs if they get through this gauntlet and you know, don't, don't lose a game or maybe just lose one. 
You know, they're going to be able to go in with a confidence level of going, well, there's no doubt we've seen the best from each conference that we're one of the best teams in football, period, right? And they're playing damn good football right now. You talk about the Eagles and the Cowboys, and the Eagles have been the team we've talked about, Super Bowl contenders all year. If you just evaluate what you're seeing on the football field right now, the Cowboys are playing like a Super Bowl team. The Eagles are not. You know, it's, again, the Eagles, we're talking, I know they won through this last gauntlet, but we all agree. They were outplayed by Kansas City. They were kind of outplayed by Buffalo, right? The quarterbacks outplayed Jalen Hurts in all those games. Last week, San Francisco, it wasn't even close, right? The defense is bleeding big time in, in, in Philadelphia right now, getting gashed. The offense is not playing up its potential. Jalen Hurts is not playing great football. It's good, but it's not great. So there's some things here to look at for the Cowboys where they could go. You can go, ooh, there's blood in the water right now. You know, let's see where this goes. And I think they sense that. And, of course, they're sick of hearing the talk that they can't mess with the big boys in the NFC. So that adds to the, you know, the, the intrigue of this football game overall. For the second straight week, the Eagles are facing an opponent. They had extra time to get ready for the game, extra time to rest up, extra time to prepare, and the Eagles had an ass-kicking handed to them by the 49ers, and now this time the Eagles have to go on the road. From the Bills game to the 49ers game, when San Francisco had extra time, they at least got to stay home. Now they got to go to Dallas. Dallas has won 14 games in a row there. This is going to be a tough spot for the Eagles, and this is the opportunity. This I get back to what I said about McCarthy. Like He'd like to have some easy games, I think, because the Eagles don't have much of a margin for error to stave off the Cowboys in the hopes that Dallas can win the division. Their path back to the NFC Championship for the first time since 1995 is a lot easier if they win the division. Even if they don't have the bye, it's easier to get to the, to the conference championship if you're the two seed because you're guaranteed two home playoff games. And look at how good they are at home. It's a lot easier to punch your ticket to a rematch with the San Francisco 49ers, if that's who it would be, if you can win that division and be the two seed. So big games, high stakes, down the stretch for the Cowboys and the Eagles, and it starts Sunday Night Football, NBC and Peacock. We'll see if the Cowboys can knock off the Eagles, and we'll be talking more about that, obviously, as the rest of the week unfolds. One of the wrinkles to any game involving the Eagles is the play, whatever name you apply. Brotherly shove, tush, push, quarterback, push, play, whatever it is. And I want to go back a step. There was a report from The Athletic over the weekend that the commissioner wants to permanently ban the tush, push. And that makes a nice headline. It creates engagement on Twitter. But it doesn't really tell the whole story all due respect because the commissioner doesn't have a vote. It only comes down to the owners and what the owners choose to do. And it only takes nine owners To preserve that rule, you need 24 to change it. You only need nine to derail any proposed rule change. So we already know Jeffrey Lurie is going to say, let's keep it. Jerry Jones had said back in October, I don't have a problem with it. Here he is from just yesterday, getting ready to play the Eagles, the team that has perfected it, Chris. Here's Jerry Jones on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas on his current views regarding the Eagles' quarterback push play i don't have that kind of issue with those techniques that to me will ultimately take care of itself uh we'll either uh, do a better job of, of getting those uh, interior linemen and uh, getting some pressure back against that 
Uh, those things have a way of of uh, being adjusted after a period of time. I don't know that the pushing aspect of it is where the battle is won. I think it's the initial get off. I think it's the initial positioning. I think it's the get, uh, lineman getting underneath the defensive guy. I think it's the um, uh, art of the quarterback to uh, feel the soft spots, the crack. Now, I really don't know because I haven't. I'm laughing, but I haven't done one of these. But I think there's an art of the deal here, and it's uh, it, to me is not a problem. Yeah, Jerry's attitude is eventually somebody will come up with some way to defend it. Right. And I agree with him to the extent that it's not the push as much as it's the way you've got three centers, if you said in the past, who get low and create that momentum. You've got a quarterback who can find the opening and 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 get through it, whether he's pushed from behind or not. And he's not against it. He thinks it's just a matter of time before defenses find a way to counter it. And other teams maybe develop the same skill set so they can do it effectively because it does shorten the sticks. It's a hell of an advantage if you can pull it off because it's not first and 10 anymore. It's first and eight. Yeah, no, there, there's, it's an advantage. There's no doubt about that. But you, as I've said in the past, you don't cancel a certain play because one team is kicking everybody's ass in football doing it. Like, I don't like it. They're really good at it. Take it away. I mean, that, that, that's where it doesn't seem right to me. And I don't think the push from the behind to your point or Jerry Jones's point is really the difference in this. You know, it's the, the we, we've seen, you know, first off, the 49ers stopped them on the tush push play one time the other night. So it's, it's not like it's not doable. And again, we see the rest of the league is not capable of replicating what the Eagles do. You know, everybody's got to get it through their head a little bit that the Eagles offensive lines may be the best offensive line we've seen this century. In this century, there's nobody better. It's unbelievable. The three interior guys are all awesome. The two tackles are awesome. And they get involved. Lane Johnson and Malata, they come in too and help the drive of all of it. So it's the football team themselves and the way they're orchestrated. And nobody else has the Eagles offensive line. You can't take away a play and go, well, we don't like it because they're really good at it. How dare they build a team and they're so good at this one area. Let's change this and not do it. That doesn't make sense. So that's where I'm, I'm all for keeping it. And I don't think anything should be adjusted with it at all. I was told yesterday, and I wasn't even looking for this. I had tried to do some reporting over the weekend to get a little more context around the idea that the commissioner is against it because, again, it comes back to the owners. But I wanted to take the temperature of the league office generally. I don't get the impression they're as concerned about the quarterback push play as they are about the hip drop tackle. We'll yeah. talk about that in a second. Right. But I am told the competition committee is looking at this quarterback push play. They've had teams ask about it. There are roughly 18 teams that have tried some variation of it, and now they're seeing different plays coming out of that formation. So, you know, it all comes down to what's the injury rate from this play. We had a an occasion earlier this year where the Giants tried it, and I think three guys got injured on the same play. Right. But it's not like we're getting a ton of injuries. No. From this, it's not about the strategic side of it from the league's perspective. It is what kind of risk of injury is it creating for the players on the field? We don't really care if it helps the Eagles because it's fair game for everyone else. That's the last thing I'll say about it and throw it and then throw it back to you. 
I want them to make a final decision on this because every team needs to know what this rule is going to be so they can build their own team accordingly. You prioritize different skill sets if you know this is part of the game. If you choose to try to shorten the sticks and develop a great offensive line and draft a bunch of centers and turn two of them into left guard and right guard and get a quarterback who can slip through those cracks, let me know that this is what the rule is going to be so I don't spend my time skewing my offense that way and then find out, oh, wait, this rule's gone now. I've wasted my time. I've wasted my money. I've wasted my effort. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. they got to come to a determination, let people figure it out. Either way, defenses, offenses, what they want to do with it, right? I, yes, I'm all for keeping it. Philadelphia's perfected it. They're the masters of it. You don't take it away because one team's kicking everybody's butt. And what's so different about that than compared to, okay, so now we can't do the quarterback tush play. All right, so we're still going to run it up the middle, but now our tailback's going to be seven yards deep, and we're going to send a fullback flying in there at full speed and mush everybody in there and tailback take a running start and smash it in there too. Like there's, you know, again – it's to still the same concept. Everybody's going to drive low and try to push everybody out. The defense is all going to pack in there in a lot of those down situations, right? I mean, there's still ways that that play can be replicated through other ways. So that's where I don't know, like, what are you going to say? You can't run up the middle on fourth and one anymore? Is that where we're going to get to in football too? And so, no, I, I am, I'm all for keeping the tush-push play all the way. Now, in contrast – I think the hip drop tackle Gotta go. is on the endangered species list. Because when I was just trying to find out more about where things stand with the quarterback push play, and I'm told the commissioner has expressed no opinion on it. doesn't mean he, he lacks an opinion, but he hasn't expressed one. Again, it doesn't matter. What the competition committee does doesn't matter either. The owners at the end of the day make the rules. But, but when I was poking around about the quarterback push play, I was told, without even asking, Something's got to be done about the hip drop tackle. Yeah. Too many injuries. Way too many. Too many season enders. Too right. many serious injuries. Right. Career enders. And it's easy to spot. You see it when it happens. It's the grab, it's the rotation, and it's the pull to the ground. And I know the defensive players are going to say, we have to find a way to get the players to the ground. The problem is this specific way. It's no different than the horse collar tackle. You could have said the same thing 20 years ago. Hey, we're just trying to get the guy to the ground. Hey, we're reaching out, we're grabbing the back of his shirt and pulling him down. The same risks are at play here, the same forces, and it's arguably worse with the hip drop tackle. I'm surprised it's taken this long for it to be an issue because you're not just pulling down the player's body weight onto his legs, Chris. You're, you're, you're using the yours. the defender's body right. weight right. onto his legs forcibly. Grab and pull him down to the ground. Yeah, basically hog-tying a player and then throwing your body weight on top of the legs, the back part of the legs, of ball carriers and their compromise. It's a lot like a horse car, uh, horse collar tackle, right? And I, I don't fault defenders for doing it. You're right. Their job, you know, if I was playing defense, I'd probably do it too, right? But I, I think it was a thing that wasn't necessarily a, a thing people thought of, you know, 20 years ago. Now, now it's like, you know, it catches fire. A few defensive players see a few other defensive players do it, and they go, damn, that works. That just gets guys on the ground. And I don't, you know, we don't see guys get stiffed arm or fall off or whatever else, and that's all they're worried about. So, you know, they see a few guys do it. They see somebody on their team do it, and they start to go, damn, that worked really well. There's Derrick Henry can't break that tackle. Let me do it to the next guy that carries the ball. 
though the players are capable of making the adjustment, just like we talk about with target area, body weight on the quarterback. The defenders are amazing that way, and I think they can make this adjustment too. I think the league has to do something. It's a very, very serious tackle. It's breaking of lower legs right now. It's it's changing guys' careers. You know, they're getting back from some of these dislocated, broken fibulas and tibulas, and they're not the same players for a year or two. And then, of course, that's affecting their contract and their money for the rest of their career. So that's where it has to go. I'm not going to give you a hard time about saying fibula and tibula because I think a lot of people struggle with that. <laughs> yeah, tibia fibula and tibula. tibula. I think, yeah, sorry, yeah. I think no, it's you're tibia right. and fibula. I'm yeah. not sure. I've been it saying could it be like that since tibula. I was six and I haven't I don't changed. Know. <laughs> I'd like to go back to whenever they decided, whoever it was, whatever committee came together to come up with the names for the bones and ask them what the hell were they thinking. Can't we just come up with two words that aren't vaguely similar and they're going to screw everybody up when it comes to the two bones of the lower leg? Okay. Now, yeah, that's so, another good part, Mike. Let's I think get the to court- this. All right. I think the quarterback push play stays. I think the hip drop tackle goes right. based upon my current understanding, but it's all subject to off-season change, and it ultimately comes down to what the owners choose to do or not do. Now, Monday morning, minding my own business. So much of what I do, like there's so much work to be done during the season. There's so many stories. I have a running list at any given time of like 10 stories I want to write. I'm not actively shaking the trees all the time for information. Sometimes I am. Sometimes stuff just comes to me. When I get a text from a current head coach saying on Monday morning, something needs to be done about officiating by ownership. They need to take charge. They need to push Roger out. They need to push Rich McKay out. They need to push Troy Vincent out. And they need to take charge and ultimately bring back Dean Blandino and write him a big-ass check to fix everything. And I've been saying for years, you got to tear it down and you got to build it up again. You can't keep making tweaks and modifications to the way things have always been. You've got to reimagine officiating, and the owners are the ones who are in position to take control of it. Against that backdrop, Jerry Jones was on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas yesterday, and they asked him about our take, our reporting, that there is a belief that it's time for the owners to take charge of officiating and fix officiating. Here's what Jerry Jones had to say. I must have been in fog for the last 30 years <laughs> with any meaningful, any meaningful rule change that I've ever seen in any major issue, no matter defensively, offensive, passing game, running game, the owners approved it. So I didn't realize that we won't approve it. <laughs> officially. We know there's judgment and we know it can be wrong and really uh, is wrong a lot. The idea of getting it right, uh, quote with all that's at stake, uh, but uh, there's uh, it can be right if you all agree that we're going to go on that uh, a guy's judgment. Now he may be half blind, but we've decided that we're going to go on his judgment. We both agreed to it coming in, and uh, we assume that his integrity is okay and good. So it's just a question of did he miss it or not. It's a hell of an assumption to make in this day and age. And my big problem with this, he completely misses the point. Yes. His attitude is, his attitude is, if you're okay with it and I'm okay with it, we're the teams playing in the game. And we accept the fact that the guy may be half blind. We accept the fact that the guy may have his head up his ass. We accept the fact that the guy may not know the rule book. We accept even the possibility he has bad integrity. We're accepting all that as the two teams involved. That's no longer good enough 
when they are stuffing their pockets with money from sports books as a result of legalized gambling because the rest of us have a vote now. It's no longer good enough to say, hey, if the two teams involved are fine with it, that's all that matters. That isn't the issue anymore. And on the same day, Chris, that I wrote something about how Roger Goodell's done a 180 on gambling, a 180 on Las Vegas, and it's all Viva Las Vegas now. When they used to say the reason we don't want legalized gambling is when there are normal incidents like bad calls, what's going to happen? People are going to think the fix is in and it's going to undermine the integrity of the game. That's why people want this now. The people who aren't directly involved in the game are fed up with all the bad calls. And it's going to impair the integrity of the game. It's going to have Congress up their butts. That's coming. I guarantee you that's coming. It's just a matter of lining things up the right way and the right opportunity for a controversy to emerge. Jerry's missing the point. He thinks it's only about him and the Eagles or him and the Dolphins. Hey, we we understand this is how it goes. We're fine with it. We accept the risk. One of us may get screwed by a bad call. It's no longer about those two teams. It's about the people out there, specifically the people wagering their hard-earned dollars on this thing having integrity that reaches beyond the two teams. There, there's there's so much there, and I think the, the first thing is the fans, like you said, they're not okay with it. And challenge flag, okay, in spirit of the officiating conversation here, the two teams that are playing are not okay with it. You mean the two owners up in the box that got nothing to do and are cheering and clapping and, you know, eating food and telling their, you know, chauffeur to get the car ready and give me another snack or a drink. Yeah, a big deal to you. I, so <laughs> what? my glasses. Right. You know, again, the, 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 the problem is you can't talk to a coach who doesn't bring up and go, isn't the officiating horrible? Like, have you ever seen a year like this? You know, is it just me or is it you? It's all over the place. It's inconsistent as hell. That's the problem. That's the problem everywhere. And there's blown calls and things that are going on right now that are so egregious and so like, I think that guy is blind who's the referee here today. I think we hired a blind ref because there's calls right now that are being missed or all the time that are just like, that's inexcusable. And we talk about a few of them every week let alone the inconsistencies of call. We see a quarterback get hit like this, and they go roughing the passer. The next quarter, the guy's head gets ripped off, and there's no roughing the passer. We see this, this touch that gets called pass interference. Five plays later, a guy's head gets ripped off, no pass interference. It's all over the place. And there needs to be full-time referees, as we've talked about, Dean Blandino, all the things you talked about, the update in technology, and... I've brought this up a bunch lately, and this is no disrespect to a lot of great people in 345 Park Ave. We have way too many people, commissioner included, who have no business being included in football discussions. We have people who are expertise in business and law telling football players how to play football. When, When we have our meetings with the people in the league, I never find Troy Vincent. I never have a problem with what he say. I don't think he's the problem. I think it's a bunch of other people who have no idea, no background in football, never learned anything in football, never played football, and they're telling people how the rules of the game should go and how it should be played. 
And that has been something that I know has always scared coaches from when I was a little kid. Owners, even back, go back to Al Davis. He started, he started, used to say this, and it's a big issue right now. And I know that people like that who have no football background are sticking their nose and framing this whole officiating thing way more than they should be right now. And that is the biggest problem in the NFL as far as this is concerned. What you said early on, I think, is the core of this issue. The owners are fine with it because they ain't getting fired if enough bad calls go against their team. They're not getting fired. They just assume it's all going to even out. You know, when someone gets screwed by some weird rule, that team is usually the last one to say we should change it because they think next time around it's going to help me. See, for every bad call, there's a good call. For everybody that gets screwed by a blind or half-blind official, there's somebody who benefits from the blind or half-blind official. You think the Packers were upset about the horrible non-call of pass interference on Marquez Valdez-Scantling the night? Hell no. Help them win the game. You think the Bengals were upset that the holding penalty that wiped out the 43-yard pass play from C.J. Beathard to Calvin Ridley on Monday night was a holding call that we see all the time not called? Right. Like, what possessed right, the another, official in that exactly. moment to throw the flag when right. they look the other way all the time? The whole day. Hey, right. Bengals are fine with it. So for every owner it helps, there's an owner it hurts. For every owner it hurts, there's an owner it helps, and nobody's getting fired. The coaches are up in arms because their careers are hinging on avoiding what is quite possibly a run of a, a bunch calls. of bad calls. Exactly right. Because of an incompetent system. See, and this is the problem, too. We're not picking on the officials. They're doing the best they can in a system that desperately needs to be overhauled. Yeah. And Jerry Jones doesn't want to overhaul it. Something he said, and I don't know if we included it in the clip, but they're the ones who have to pay for it. See, they, it's like any other thing in business. When you come to me as the person who is going to pay for it, and you make the proposal for something that you want to do, and I inevitably ask, how much is this going to cost? The next question is, is it worth it? Is it justifiable as a business consideration to spend this money for this thing you want to do? How much more money is it going to make me if I do it? And what's my downside if I don't it do it? It can't be any more money owners, than the bottom line balance of what Josh well, McDaniels is still going to get paid from the Raiders the next few years or well, Frank Reich well, and what he's right, going to be paid, right? right? <laughs> So I, that's to me, I want right. to go, well, there's no problem. It's $50 million. I made a bad hire. Boom. Throw it out. But we can't fix the game. Uh, that's too expensive. Right. But, but, but I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. My point is when, when a Mark Davis fires a Josh McDaniels because his fan base is about ready to revolt or when David Tepper yeah. fires Frank Reich because David Tepper wants it now and he's not getting it now, that's his prerogative. But when you're talking about what I'm trying to think of this like the owners would. What are we really getting out of paying Dean Blandino $10 million a year to rebuild officiating and all the other stuff we'd have to do with it? What does it really add to our bottom line? And what does it harm us if we don't do it? See, they think it's not going to hurt them if they don't change. And that's why I keep going back to the things the NFL used to say about gambling before it became legalized. Why they didn't want it legalized? Because you legalize it, and all these mistakes are going to cause people to say the fix is in, the fix is in, the fix is in. And, Chris, more than ever— I've got people that interact with me on, you know, I make my 
email address available. I see things on Twitter. My son is a firm believer. The fix is in. The fix is in. The fix is in. You legalize gambling and you invite that into your house. The fix is in. And they better understand that and fix it before the shit hits the fan. That's the problem. Yep. So it's not enough for the owners to just say among themselves, you know, we'll just this gentleman's agreement here will understand that you may have a bad call. I may have a bad call. We'll just live with that. Right. We're fine with that. Right. We're not going to make a big deal about it. We get that. These are the rules of engagement. That agreement isn't binding on everyone else. That's where George Jones is missing the point. The agreement that he makes with Jeffrey Lurie doesn't affect everyone else. And everyone else is affected by the bad calls. That's where they need to wake up. Jerry Jones doesn't see it because he doesn't want to see it. Because seeing it is going to take some of the money out of the fund that he uses to pay for the maintenance and the crew on his yacht. Yeah, well, listen, I, I you know, agree to everything you said there. And you know, the, the bottom line, it's inconsistencies and plays right now that we watch every week. And we brought it up where you go, how does that get missed? I don't even understand that. Whether it's like, wait, the guy's foot was a yard out of bounds and uh, they called it a catch or the guy's a yard inbounds and he gets hit and they call it a late hit. There's things that are inexcusable. I think we have a play from the Browns-Rams game last week. I was watching this on film yesterday, Mike. You know, it's a crucial part of the football game. The Browns are down by a point. We got this, right, Courtney, Kristen? Okay. And this is a play where, okay, I'm watching on film, and I'm going, wait, what, what's the call here? What happened? What Was there a delay of game? Blah, blah, blah. So I pull up the playlist, right, and they say, false start on the center. Mike, I watched this play back 74 freaking times, right? I mean, you tell me. This is a huge moment in the game. I want to say it's, what, third and one here? Can you guys help me? Do you remember exactly? Second and one, something like that, right? They called a false start on the center. Like, what? The guy from 40 yards away called it on the center on the sideline, and he couldn't have been more wrong. And that was a huge part of the football game, right? So I just I, – there's things like this every week, every film I turn on where I want to go – Wait, hold on. Let me watch this again. Am I reading this right? They called a penalty on this guy or this person? And it's like, it's egregiously wrong. Egregiously. And again, that's where like, I was thinking of you yesterday, again, where I went back to Sky Judge and I want to go, this is where Sky Judge has to come in and go, nope, 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 referee, you're, you couldn't be more wrong. You're an idiot. Go back. Keep the play. Hey, referee, come in and go, hey, excuse me, inadvertent whistle, second and one still Browns. That's where they got to change it because that looks like the fix is in when you do stupid crap like that. We need to take a break, but I think this is the last point to make. The NFL desperately needs to create the impression that they're doing everything they can to get all calls right. It's not a guarantee there won't be mistakes. But at least if you're creating the impression you're trying, right. you don't get people saying the fix is in. When one of your most prominent owners says, well, we just kind of understand that some of these officials are going to be half blind, and yeah. we hope none of them are corrupt, but what the hell do we know? That's not good enough. To create the impression you're doing everything you can. That's why full-time officials are valuable. Because it helps create the impression they're doing everything they can. They're prioritizing. They're devoting resources to it. Hey, we know mistakes happen, but we're doing everything we can to avoid them. We're not just accepting between the two oligarchs, well, you know, shit happens. It's too expensive to clean it up, so we'll just deal with the shit from time to time. All right, let's take a break. Power rankings time. Speaking of shit, more BFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Goff takes, fakes the give, goes end around. Now they flip it on the second back coming around. That is Jamison Williams inside the 15, inside the 10, dives into the end zone, touchdown Detroit Lions. A little razzle-dazzle to number nine who did a swan dive into the end zone and the Lions have extended their lead. Third and goal from the eight, Wilson in the gun, one back, P-Ride, Wilson gets the snap, Wilson chased. Wilson escapes the sack, goes left side of the end zone. Yes! It's intercepted. The Texans have it. Jimmy Ward. Houston's going to win. Welcome back, Jimmy Ward. The Texans turn back Denver. Point blank range, and they say no. Makes you out of the gun. Shotgun snap. Looks to his right. And he is on Goes to the right, looking for him. Deep down the field. And he goes! What a movement by a hill that kicks that football. He was turned inside. Joe, the ball was hit. Throws to the outside. And he weaved his way back. Another bomb. Jimmy, how many times in a season can this happen? Hump day homers from week 13. Tyree Kill fully committed to saying that wasn't Tua Tonga-Vailoa's fault. I have no reason to doubt him other than I believe that Tyreek Hill is fully committed to doing everything he can to boost to a <laughs> That's right. I know. I don't know. He could be right. Other you're than right. that. Yeah, you're right. That, that aspect is very real in this conversation. He's not going to say anything other than what he said, even if it was a bad throw. Yeah. That's the point. Right. Maybe it wasn't a bad throw, but he's not going to come out and say it was a bad throw, even if it was. He's going to say it's on me because he knows it's working. It's getting Tua to the point where he needs to be, and it's gotten the Dolphins – up to number four again. At Whoa. One point they were number one. It didn't last long, but here they are at number four. This week's power rankings presented by our friends at Toyota. I flip-flopped the Eagles and the 49ers. The Eagles lost, but I couldn't drop them lower than number two. They Did have you only think two about losses it? on the year. Did you think about dropping no, them below the Ravens no. at all? No. Okay. No. All right. No, no, because here's the thing, Chris. It's the 49ers at one, and then there's a big gap. 
for everyone else. And the best of the rest is the Eagles. Nobody's beating the 49ers. If their key players are healthy, the 49ers are going to kick the crap out of everybody. We see the 49ers and the Ravens actually on Christmas night. What a gift that is. Seriously. Thanks, Kamish. That's a hell of a gift for Christmas night. But we'll see. Maybe the Ravens can handle the 49ers. I don't know. But I think right now the 49ers, the best team by far. Number one by far over everyone else. Do you disagree? No, I don't disagree at all. I, I'm, I'm with you there. We've kind of been saying that for weeks, right? At their best, there's nobody looks like the 49ers at their best. You know, they lost the three games, injuries, messed it up, whatever. We can dive into that at another time. But uh, absolutely not. I think they are the best football team. And I, I think at the end of the day, yes, I'm with you. I'd put the Eagles number two as well. And then it gets interesting there. You know, Ravens, Dolphins, Cowboys. Were there any thoughts of you maybe throwing the Cowboys in front of the Ravens or the Dolphins? How'd you kind of figure that little area out right there? Because that's, that, that's a very interesting spot, three, four, and five. The Ravens were off. I hate to drop a team that's off, although I've, I've done it. I think I may have done it this week. Yeah. But the, the Cowboys win wasn't dominant. They almost lost. So it's not like the Cowboys had such a great game that I need to push them above teams that were in front of them and either didn't play or won the Dolphins won the Dolphins move up and they moved up because the Chiefs lost the Cowboys moved up two spots because both the Chiefs and the Jaguars lost two teams that were in front of them so the Cowboys are still in the mix they get their chance they get their chance they want to get the number two or three beat the Eagles on Sunday night and the Cowboys will be in the top three yeah I I, I hear you there uh, uh the Cowboys definitely you know the, the one thing I'll say with the Cowboys is it was just like their third game in 11 days, right? That, that, that was tough. There's no doubt about that. It would be good to see what they look like with a little extra break here as far as uh, having that for, for this Sunday night football game against the Eagles. Uh, I get a sense, right? And I know you got the, Chief, the, the Lions at six and the Chiefs at seven, but I, I don't know, Mike. I don't know how you feel about this, but it, to me, you, know, you said there's a, the, you know, the 49ers kind of in a tier by themselves. Right, maybe you'd put the Eagles in a little tier of themselves at number two, but then like tier three, Ravens, Dolphins, Cowboys, you know. And I'm gonna let's just say I'll throw the Chiefs in there because I still think their defense is good and they got Mahomes. But you know, after your time, I, I feel like there's a, a line of demarcation after Cowboys at five. I don't know a little bit, but I feel like those top five are almost kind of in a class of their own as far yes. as complete football teams Detroit I like aspects of it but we've seen there's some issues there and we can dissect that at another time but there's issues on both sides of the ball uh the Jaguars you know the Texans the Colts all of it you feel like the five at the top are kind of uh some of the most complete teams in football how about three teams from the AFC South in the top 10 the Jaguars Texans and Colts and as to the Lions and Chiefs you know this is where it gets difficult yeah because are the Chiefs the better team than the Lions right now? You could argue that they are, but the Lions beat Kansas City. It was all the way back in week one, but they went to Arrowhead Stadium and won, and the Lions still have a better record than the Chiefs. That loss to the Chiefs really stung on Sunday night. That loss by the Chiefs to the Packers, excuse me. I think that that hurts the Chiefs, and it takes them out of that upper echelon of teams. But I agree with you. It's 49ers, then it's Eagles, Ravens, Dolphins, Cowboys, and then it's everybody else. And you look at how quickly it devolves into anybody else. Everybody else. Uh, what happens if the Bills beat the Chiefs on Sunday? And look, the Bills went up three spots without playing because all the teams in by front default, of them lost and right. looked like crap and losing. Yeah. You just move up three spots by doing nothing.
Yeah, no, you know, and I think with the, you know, the injuries at quarterback and some of the things that are going on right now, I mean, two weeks ago, I would have gone, man, the Bills are in trouble. I don't think they can do it and get in the playoffs. The The door is cracked open for them right now with the current state of the, the AFC playoffs. And if they, they pull off this upset this week in, in Kansas City, it is in Kansas City, right, where – you know, yes. if I remember correctly, I mean, Josh Allen is regular season. I think he has a winning record against Mahomes, so they're not going to be intimidated about going in there. They went in there last year and beat them in the regular season. The year before that, they went in there and beat them in the regular season. So uh, it'd be interesting game, and you're right, it'd make us think, think different thoughts about the Bills or the Chiefs. All right, let's take a break. When we return, now, we've kind of been – I don't know if you've noticed this. We've been on sort of an Aaron Rodgers boycott. Like, we're not trying to talk about him unless we really have to talk about him. He said some stuff yesterday to Pat McAfee that forces us to share with you what Rodgers had to say, along with our reaction there, too. It all comes from Monday's kerfuffle about Zach Wilson supposedly not wanting to play again for the Jets this year. We'll break that down when PFT Live continues right after this. On Monday, The Athletic reported, citing unnamed sources, that the Jets wanted to pivot back to Zach Wilson at quarterback, but that Wilson is reluctant to play. Robert Sala, coach of the Jets, addressed that with the media on Monday and made it clear that Zach Wilson will indeed play if his number is called. They still haven't announced who the starter will be. They cut Tim Boyle, by the way, on Tuesday and added Brett Rippon. Also on Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers, doing his weekly appearance with Pat McAfee, addressed the reporting on Zach Wilson supposedly quitting on the team. Here's what Rodgers had to say. When you uh, use sources and whether intentional or unintentional, try to assassinate someone's character like that report does for Zach. I have a, I have a real hard time with that. Basically saying that this Quit. this kid is, is quitting on the team and, and doesn't want to play and has given the middle finger to the organization. What is your impetus? What is your motivation to try and bury someone like that? Um, and that's a problem with the organization. You know, we need to get to the bottom of whatever this is coming from, and put a stop to it privately uh, because there's no place in, the, in a winning culture where, and there's been, this is not the only time, there's been a bunch of other leaks. I think it's chicken shit, um, at its core, and, and uh, you know, I think it has no place in, in a winning organization to be. So he's got two problems here. He's got a problem with the reporting and a problem with the leaking of the information. He's not saying the reporting is incorrect. And I'll, I'll defer for now my comment on the right way to handle this based upon my own years of experience as a reporter, as an organization. You know, we're seeing for the first time some cracks there in the relationship between Rodgers and the organization. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. He used the term winning organization. When were the Jets last a winning organization? I mean, dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. This is what the Jets do. And this is what happens in New York when media is swarming around these teams. That's one of the big differences between Green Bay and New York, Aaron. 
You come to New York, this is what happens. Everybody's talking to anybody. That's what happens. Don't act surprised and don't act like you're going to launch some Warren commission to get to the bottom of who leaked it. You're not going to find out who did it. No one's going to admit to it. And you're just going to make yourself frustrated trying to find out. Well, I mean, he, he said a lot of good things, and they're, they're good for him for sticking up for Zach Wilson a little bit, right? You know, he, he makes a good point that, yeah, good organizations and you know, other things like that don't happen, right? There, there's obviously somebody in the Jets organization that's been trying to assassinate Zach Wilson's character for the better part of two years. You know, in doing that, though, and what Aaron Rodgers said, he's also admitting that there's some reluctance by Zach Wilson to play in the football game. He's he's confirming the leak. Right. So he, he confirmed the leak in that, too, which I also want to go. Hey, eh, that makes it a little harder on Zach Wilson. You're you're confirming there was a leak and other things that came out were a leak and they were you know what I mean? So there was a, that was exposed a little bit. What I will say, and, and I like everything that Roger says, is that, you know, what, what I, like, Zach Wilson should be reluctant to go out and play. It, the, the, the Zach Wilson assassination of character, player, whatever, is through the roof. When Zach Wilson plays, I, you, we listen to the games. Every play, every throw, it's dissect. Oh, oh, he threw the check down. Well, he could have thrown it over here, maybe. Tim Boyle plays and doesn't can't do jack diddly shit, and nobody dissects anything. They're nothing. He throws the ball in the triple coverage. Everybody's like, well, there's a lot of problems on this Jets offense, right? So if I'm and, and then of course nobody in the Jets really supports Zach Wilson really the way he should. So like I, I understand him being reluctant. Well, they, let's let's throw him out there again, even though he's been the guy that gives you the best chance to win a football game. Let's throw him out there again so we can all blame him one more time and crap on him and nobody else will stick up for him. Like, Zach Wilson should be reluctant to go out there and play for the New York Jets. You know, good for him for saying something if he did say something. I think it's as simple as, and this is pieced together from what Robert Sala said on Monday and just my understanding of what's happening, I think it's as simple as Zach Wilson venting. You know, maybe some teammates saying, hey, these other guys look like shit. They're going to come back to you at some point. He's like, yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell yeah. them to stick it where the sun don't shine. Yeah, I, I and can it's see no that. different than the kind of, of grousing that happens in any workplace. And it's one thing to say to your coworkers what you'll say to the boss when the boss comes to you and tells you to do that thing you're not going to do. The moment the boss comes to you and tells you to do that thing you're not going to do, you say, yes, sir, I'll do it right now. So, so that's why I have a problem with the idea of whoever overheard him say that running to someone and leaking it because I don't think he really meant it. If yeah, he said it, right. I don't think he meant it. It's just a way to let off some steam. And he's a young kid still, you know, feeling the same way that he should be feeling based on what you're saying. Right. They're screwing me every chance they get. They're making me the fall guy. And now they want me to fall down again, knowing that I'm going to fall. Right. And then they're not going to help me get back up. Screw them. Right. Oh, you want me to play? Okay. I have guaranteed contract. Of course I'm going to play. Here's the issue with the reporting of this. And. I have no journalism training, and it shows. But I do have one thing. I have 23 years of experience of doing this, and I have made mistakes, and I have learned from the mistakes. And I've sought out the opinions of others who have the training and the experience on how to do things properly. And one of the toughest things to discern, and it's one of the things I'm always sensitive to, what type of report requires you 
compels you to seek comment from the subject of the report before you report it. And there have been instances where highly respected reporters failed to do that. Reporting something negative about a team, a coach, a player, a GM, whoever, without first giving the subject of their report an opportunity to chime in. And the best advice I was ever given in this regard goes like this. If you're ever going to report that the Easter Bunny doesn't like chocolate, you better get a comment from the Easter Bunny. (laughs) And that applies here. If you're going to report that a football player doesn't want to play football, you better seek out that football player and give him an opportunity. And the people who are in this business, it's very easy to do. We all have available to us a directory of the players and the agents who represent them. And we have a report about Zach Wilson. We want to give you a chance to respond before we tweet it or post it or write it. Or Jets, hey Jets, Eric Gelfand, head spokesman. We have a report about Zach Wilson. We'd like to get his response before we do it. This is a situation that cries out for a fair opportunity for Zach Wilson to respond contemporaneously with the reporting. Not when he has a press conference three days later. But before you report that the Easter Bunny doesn't like chocolate, you better damn well find out whether or not the Easter Bunny has something to say about it. That's the problem I have with the reporting, and that's something I've tried to learn over time. When to know? When to know? I better, I better get someone from the team. I better get in touch with the agent. I better get in touch with the player directly and give them a chance to respond to what I'm hearing. That's where the failure was, and that's yeah, where Aaron Rodgers, I, I think, there. has every right to be upset no doubt. with this appearance of assassina- assassination of character. Oh, no, good on Rodgers. It, it just takes root, and yeah. it's gone, and it's gone. Right. Everybody just assumes the guy doesn't want to play now because everybody assumes it's accurate and true, and he didn't have a chance to respond at the time the report was put out there. All right, let's take a break. When we return, best catches from week 13. I have a feeling none of them involves, involve throws made by New York Jets quarterbacks. More PFT Live right after this. This game is meant to be enjoyed. Uh, yes, we want to go have the production and the results, but let's enjoy everything. I think that's when you get the best out of people. And we're enjoying playing meaningful football in December. Is this some of the most fun you think you've had? In your time, you know? I think it is. You know, I think a lot of the perspective that we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, is is just never forgetting, you know, um, how important it is to try to be the person you want to be for the people that you love and care about and also be reminded, man, you love this game. Sean McVay talking about enjoyment with that urgent enjoyment banner (laughs) up over his shoulder. He's had that there for a while. Urgent enjoyment. You better enjoy it. You're going to enjoy it. And you better enjoy it urgently. <laughs> enjoy it. Why aren't you enjoying it? Uh, you better enjoy it. Last year he wasn't. This year he is. Yeah, I don't even think that's his real office. I think that's like a fake, like, when we do a Zoom call type of office. Either way, that, that like, banner that you see in the back is, is implanted in his brain. That's what you see or feel when you get into that Rams facility. What, he's an incredible job, what he's doing this year. They'd be on the short list of teams again, I think, before the year where he'd go, they're not making the playoffs. And here they are fighting with one of the youngest teams in football, if not the youngest, right? One of his best coaching jobs of his career, really, and what they're doing. So many new players, new names across the board. They are uh, out-coaching the talent on their football team. And... 
way to you know it's a, the culture and everything he's done there positive by Sean McVay deserves to be in the coach of the year conversation for what they're doing I think that is his office. Pull that back up because the giveaway is he's got he's got some family. He's got nothing there. else. Yeah, right. He's got right. nothing else. Yeah. You know, in in this day and age, you don't need anything else. You don't need a bunch of binders. Everything's paper. That's true. He didn't put anything else on right. his shelf, but he's got family pictures. That's his office. He's never in there. That's the sign of a guy who's never in his office. Otherwise, he would. There'd be some crap on there somewhere, somewhere, somehow. Anyway. Right. Maybe you might be right, or maybe is maybe it was. Office. They they need a new facility out there with the Rams, anyways. I know they're building that. I think they're getting one. Yeah, they're getting one. Some of Stan Kroenke's yacht maintenance money is going to go to a new facility <laughs> for the Los Angeles Rams. All right, let's take a break. We will wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this. The Giants returned from their bye on Monday night football against the Green Bay Packers. And even though Tyrod Taylor is back, Tommy DeVito will continue to be the starting quarterback. Tyrod Taylor not thrilled about it, but all the folks in Jersey got to be happy that local product who lives not far from the stadium with his parents continues to try to try to just, you know, they found a way to turn a disastrous season into something less of a disaster. Yeah. It's still a disaster, but it's not quite so bad because they've got Tommy DeVito, and it's just kind of a fun way to play out the string. They're fighting. That That's for sure. I think that's what the Giant fans like to see. you know. And I don't blame them for going with Tommy DeVito, right? I mean, first off, hey, Tyrod Taylor's a nice backup, but this has been an issue for him his whole career. You know, he gets hurt as the backup. So it's hard to keep – and injure-prone backup, the backup all the time. I think the Giants are also looking at this and going like, wait, you know, maybe Tommy DeVito could be our backup here for a long time. Let's see if he can, like, take the reins here and take control of the situation. It's been more positive the last two weeks. They've been moving the ball, throwing the ball better there. So ride the wave of momentum right now with Tommy DeVito. Hey, get off my lawn, Tommy DeVito. Hey, get the hell out of here. What are you right. looking at? Hey. I, of all of all the Italian gestures, this is my least favorite because it's not. <laughs> well, what's your favorite? What's your favorite? Well, it's well, probably I should probably shouldn't. Oh probably gosh, should. all the things please, you do please, and say. Please, now please. you're scared to do one damn Italian sign. Okay, yeah. So you do that one though. Okay. <laughs> I just had an answer. What yeah, Brian yeah. Dayball said that Tommy has earned the opportunity Agreed. to play. He's Agreed. done a good job. He's improved in each of the games he's played. He's played well the last two games. He has earned the right to play. And that's how it is in the NFL. You get out there and you play, and if you earn it, you stay because that's a powerful message to the rest of the players. That's right. You get your opportunity, and you make the most of it, you're going to get a reward, and the reward is more playing time. He's added life to the team, right? I mean, whether it's this or just whatever, you could tell the the players like him. They've rallied around him a little bit. The fan bases rally around him. Right, I mean the fans. It's it's one of the few things you got to look forward to if you're a Giants fan on Monday night. You know, North Jersey guy Tommy DeVito coming to town. Right, I mean that's that's what's cool to see. So good for him. All right, that's it for today. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Enjoy your Wednesday. See ya. Some of your time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.